You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Milt said, yes, my family is down in the great the heartland of Kansas. In a little more heat than we're at. And, uh, but I've been living off my wife's meatloaf for a couple days. It's gone now, but we're doing okay. So we're, we're getting in the reserves, but uh, doing fine, doing, doing all right. So uh, I invite you to turn Joshua chapter 13 is where we're going to be at today. Joshua 13, 1 through 7, we'll be looking at on your way there. I've got one picture. We can show up there. It's from Madeline, so she's not here today, but she drew this um, picture. She's got on the one side, uh, poor in faith, a rich person, though. And she's got, you maybe can't read it down there, so sad. Somebody that's got all the riches, but poor in faith. And then on the other side, uh, you've got poor people who are rich in faith, so happy. So I love that. We were talking about last week about the different kings, all these 31, 33 kings here in Joshua 12 and thinking to our own King Jesus and, and worshiping Him and what's really ruling our heart. And so um, may we be those, though we be poor, rich in faith and joy in the Lord. Let me read God's Word to us this morning. Then from Joshua 13, if you're there, I'm just going to read 1 through 7 this week and then we'll look at at the bulk of the chapter then next week. Just one through seven for now, so let's hear from the Lord. He says, Now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. This is the land that yet remains. All the regions of the Philistines and all those of the Geshurites from the Shihor, which is east of Egypt, Northward to the boundary of Ekron, it is counted as Canaanite. There are five rulers of the Philistines, those of Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron, and those of the Avim. In the south, all the land of the Canaanites, and Me'arah, that belongs to the Sidonians, to Aphek, to the boundary of the Amorites, and the land of the Gebalites, and all Lebanon toward the sunrise, from Baal Gad below Mount Hermon to Labo Hamat, all the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon to Mishrephot Mayim, even all the Sidonians, I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel, only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance, as I have commanded you. Now therefore divide this land for an inheritance to the nine tribes half the tribe of Manasseh. Let's pray again. Lord, thank you again for the very privilege of opening up your word that we live uh, in a country yet where we have freedom to do this and to proclaim your word um, without really fear right now. So we thank you for that. We thank you for your grace in communicating to us with this special revelation before us. You've communicated generally in the world and we see the heavens declaring your glory and you've communicated in your word. So we pray that as it's your spiritual word that your spirit would guide us to understand it and even glean from this passage, from these names, these places and what you've listed here in even the next uh, several chapters that we would glean uh, and grow in our worship 
of you who provide a wonderful inheritance to the saints. And we pray this, that you would guide us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, over the next several weeks, we're going to be exploring this idea of inheritance, the inheritance of Israel, uh, the land. It's got certain boundaries, many of which are very hard to pronounce. These get to be <clears throat> pretty difficult as we go through. <clears throat> but I think this section gives us a great opportunity. Whoa, I'm going to cough. <clears throat> I tried to move that. Uh, there's an opportunity here to look at this promised land here in Joshua and then connect it to the promised inheritance that we have in Christ. So I think there's a unique opportunity for us. So we're going to spend the next few weeks kind of looking at this and then thinking even on what's in store for the believer in Christ. What do we look forward to presently, the already, and the, the not yet as well? And, and that's good to think on. Um, just last night or yesterday, late afternoon, news comes um, I won't get details, but the, the tragedy going on in El Paso, another one in Ohio, much to be anxious about in terms even of our current land, perhaps, our current culture, all those sorts of things. But, but we in Christ, we do not have hope only in this present land. There's a future inheritance for the saints in heaven. That's where Paul says, he says our true citizenship that's where it's at, in heaven, with the Lord. We're citizens not primarily of the U.S. or other countries, but of the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom already instituted by Christ's death on the cross, His resurrection, and yet not yet fully realized He's coming again. So, so we of all people, we should be the most hopeful people. We know the end, and we know where this is going, and we know, and we have instructions and yet, sadly, sometimes we, you, I, we forget. We seem to have the least hope. And our eyes are just tuned just to what's going on horizontally. Here's my week. You know, I was just convicted this week of just grumbling, grump, complaining about stuff. shouldn't be. God's in control. He's, he's going to take care of it. And yet we do that rather than fixing ourselves on the sure promises of God. So we come to the text today. Looking here, Joshua 13, and, and we do want to glean off of this. What does God have for us? Even if these, in these texts, and I was talking to somebody yesterday about, you know, they're, they're just tempting to fly over some of these. Lots of names, and we're just going to, by God's grace, dig in, glean, pick, grab the fruit, and see what God has here for us. So um, let's look back at our, at our text, and just verse 1, let me read that again. You'll hear the repetition here. Now Joshua was old. And advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. Right off the bat, we, we can ask the question here, which is relatively easy to answer, who is this passage directed towards? It's Joshua. It's, his name's listed first for us in English. In the Hebrew, typically, the verb, the action word, is listed first, and then you have the subject. That's typically how a Hebrew sentence works. In this sentence, Joshua is right off the bat. He's first. I think first or second words, but then the action proceeds. And that's, that clues us in to say, this is towards Joshua. He's the subject here. He's the focus of this passage. And it makes sense 
as we've already read, God is he's directly commanding Joshua to do something. There's, there's a task for Joshua to do. And that something is to be done because he is old and advanced in years. And you saw the repetition there even as we read it. Uh, and the narrator points this out, perhaps Joshua being the one writing this. We're not sure. but And, and you know, so... So there's this idea, he's old, advanced in years, and God kind of doubled, you are old, you're advanced in years. And perhaps that's a good way to start saying it. You know, you can leave behind uh, elderly and old, maybe advanced in years just sounds more positive, doesn't it? Like advanced, it's a better way to say it. So I'm okay if you all use that, and maybe when we do potlucks, and we'll, we'll say the advanced in years should go first, and I think the last time I tried, somebody said, don't call me an old, what a, advanced, so we'll, so we'll do that. We want to care for seniors. That's another way to say it, yeah. So anyway, maybe a way to, to do that. But what is this emphasis, kind of this back and forth of this, this age of Joshua? What's, what's bringing out here? Why is, why is this brought out that he's old and advanced in years? And I, I think it sets up, attention of the last part of the verse so he's old and advanced and here's the tension there remains yet very much land to possess so you're old you're advanced and yet there is more to do so joshua is fading advancing in years and yet at the same time much remains to be done you ever feel that way much needs to be done as we advance and I'm feeling it as well as I advance and you're feeling it with our kids that are just growing quickly and fast and my direct time I know I will still parent them after they leave and I don't leave their life Lord willing but but that time of direct parenting is fleeting and yet it seems much remains to teach or to pass on you might have some life goals and yet as you advance in age you think much remains to be done. I, I think we'll, we're going to find in this passage a, a sort of double truth here. One is to trust God for what remains. So we're advancing, we're seeing much remains. One, one truth, trust God for what remains. A, and the other, focus on what God's task is for you. What is His task for you? Well, before God shares just what Joshua is to do, the Lord himself, and these are his words, you can almost, this whole passage, this is him speaking to Joshua. He explains just how much remains, and that's verses 2 through through half of, of verse 6, really. And I'm not going to read through the list again, but let me just bring up a map. We do have a map up here. Uh, we've got it in there. There's a map. You can kind of see that and get an idea. See if we got any. Oh, we do. We got laser. So uh, there's described these different areas: the the Philistines, Sidonians, Canaanites, and this map kind of gives us a, a little bit of an idea where it was. We've been studying. Remember, they crossed the Jordan. They went halfway, kind of took the southern campaign, and then we looked at the the northern campaign here. What's described here are really sections kind of outside, kind of. Almost on the extremities, up towards here, there's Labo Hamad. We read about that in there. Um, well, there's Sidon. Uh, I don't know if there's others listed here. 
Uh, Gaza, I think, is in there. Some say Brook of Egypt. Perhaps that's uh, this Shihor place down there. So kind of, this ex- kind of on the outer extremities, you might think, of the land, these different places, um, and going up towards, towards Mount Hermon, towards the north. So it's almost like Israel, they've secured the central parts, but they need to expand. There's yet much remaining to overtake. That said, though, in my study, I came across something. I want to share it with you. Something interesting here, thinking about the land that they're in and relationships of, of God to Israel. And something to keep in mind as we go through these next several chapters um, where Israel is at, where God is giving the inheritance to Israel. We're gonna, so just zooming back out a bit uh, from that, I want to think about the relationship of God to his people, kind of this... Uh, possessing or inheriting this land. And there's two words we're going to think about is suzerain and vassal. So not Suzy, but suzerain. Uh, what is it? S-U-Z-E-R-A-I-N. And then vassal, V-A-S-S-A-L. And so there's a difference in, in these words. And so when you hear the word suzerain, you can think the one over the land. The one over the land, in control, sovereign over the land. And then you hear the word vassal. Here's one definition. A holder of land by feudal tenure on conditions of homage and allegiance. Really the vassal works the land, possesses the land, think Israel, but is not the sole owner. That's the suzerain. Okay, So there's vassal, there's suzerain. And there's a difference. Think of God, this over-sovereign his land, his land, Israel comes in to possess his land as the vassal. Listen to what one commentary says. Uh, and they're comparing this to some other treaties of other people in the area, the Hittites. So they say there are several Hittite treaties. So they're reading from these ancient documents and saying they offer sim, uh, similarities to the boundary lists found in Joshua chapter 13 through 19. So this list, all these boundaries, they're similar documents from other nations that list boundaries like this. They're going to explain. They say, in the treaties, the boundary lists indicate the frontiers of the land that is entrusted to the vassal by the suzerain. So there's the vassal. The suzerain entrusts the land to that vassal. Remember that? Kind of like Israel. Uh, Even though the land technically belongs to the suzerain, he offers local control to the vassal and delineates the boundaries of the land that defines this legal relationship. It is a land that is designated as territory to be protected in loyalty to the suzerain. Interesting. So here's kind of connection. What they're bringing out here is that these boundaries, allotments, they're not so much that Israel owns the land. This is their land. God owns the land, and he entrusts stewards in the land Israel to take care of it. And again, they're basing their comments here on on other treaties, but it kind of helps us understand. It is by all means, it is the land of promise, a dwelling place for ethnic Israel. But there's also conditions of the suzerain. Think of the Lord. In this case, the Lord, there's conditions for staying in the land. And we see later on, Israel does not follow 
those conditions. They don't follow God with all their heart. If, if you're in the two-year reading plan, you're in the book of Judges, and things are just going haywire. They're doing what's right in their own eyes. And eventually, Israel and Judah, having split, they're taken out of the land. And yet God restores them again because He has an eternal purpose. Christ is going to come in the line of David. He's going to come to this land and He's going to provide a much better promise and inheritance. So a little more on that in a bit. So let's move on though from the boundaries, kind of that middle chunk of this section, to really a couple of key phrases involving what God will do at at the end, starting verse 6. So... What's, what is Joshua advanced in years? What is he to do? And we look then at verse, uh, verse 6. We'll look at both 6 and 7, but verse 6. So let me just start it's kind of midway. But all the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon to Mishrephot, Mayim, even all the Sidonians. This is God speaking, remember. I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel. Only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance as I have commanded you. There's a couple verbs here, action words, and we're just going to look at them. We're going to point them out and, and look at them. So one is, your Bible might say of God, where he says, I myself will drive them out. You have something like that in their language. God says, I will drive them out. Another way to say it is, I will cause to possess them. I will cause this possession to take place. The point is here, who's doing the driving? God is. Or the causing. God is doing this. And, and we're familiar with this in Joshua. This is really nothing new to us. The, the decisive cause behind this land, this inheritance, this possession of Israel is God himself. However, Israel still needed to go in, take possession, but they would take of what had already been promised of God. In a sense, there's this idea of take what you don't have yet, but trust that God will provide it. Take what you don't have yet, but trust that God is going to provide what you're going in to take. God's going to take care. He's going to take care of the driving out of these people. But then what's Joshua to do? And And it really comes down to, I think, one task here. There's a single task for this, this man advanced in years. And it's the, I believe it's the next verbal there. And the, really the, the last part of verse 6, the last sentence, only allot the land to Israel. Allocate it. Allot. This verb has with it the idea of causing to fall. So cause to fall this land. And I think it's in the sense of causing the lot, think ancient dice, to fall. So you, Joshua, a lot, cause the lot to fall like dice. And remember, whose hand controls all that? God does. Proverbs 16.33. Right? The lot is cast. Uh, what, it, what it is is from the Lord. The reading is from the Lord. And so Joshua is to ca- really cast the lots for this inheritance of Israel. There's some history to this. There's some direction to this, and a, and a great place is in the book of Numbers. So we're close, so just turn back to Numbers 33. Look there if you can. Just flip back a few pages. Numbers 33, verse 50. And I think this is a helpful um, summarizing passage um, 
regarding the division of the land. So we're going back in time, back to Moses' day. God's speaking to Moses here before they've entered. And this is some of the direction that now Joshua is to take place in. So listen to Numbers 33, uh, 50 through 56 here. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you pass over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their figured stones and destroy all their metal images and demolish all their high places. And you shall take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given the land to you to possess it. You shall inherit the land by lot. There it is. According to your clans. To a large tribe you shall give a large inheritance. And to a small tribe you shall give a small inheritance. Wherever the lot falls for everyone, for anyone, that shall be his. According to the tribes of your fathers you shall inherit. But, but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then those of them whom you let remain shall be as barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall trouble you in the land where you dwell. A warning there. And I will do to you as I thought to do to them. So there's some warning in this kind of passage that predates this entry into the promised land. But Joshua is to now execute what God had commanded Moses to take place. The inheritance spoken of in the time of Moses, Joshua in his old age, he's to complete this task. And we come to the end of verse 6, and we see familiar then again, as I've commanded you. How does he do this allotment? Just as I've commanded. He asked Joshua, do it. This is the way. This is the manner how I want you to do it as I've commanded. In other words, don't make up your own way or your way of doing it or a quicker way. Just do it like I said to do. God wants Joshua even advance in years, to do as God says. So verse 7 then, as we come there, kind of wraps this up into the one command. It's, there's, let me read it, and then we'll look at it. It says, Now therefore, divide this land for an inheritance to the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh. That there's a single task, single task to Joshua, divide the land as an inheritance. Uh, the ESV Study Bible sees this in this section, even this word, I think, divide, um, this division of land as, as form, kind of defining the sections now as we go further. So we talked about this last week up to chapter 12 and now 13, I think it's to, yeah, to 21, this division of the land. And that's where we're going to be in. Um, and they're looking at that in a couple, wa- a couple ways, but this division of the land. Before the focus, taking conquering a lot of war pictures this now allotting here's this boundary here's this place this inheritance this is where it will be in a couple narratives in between some of the listing of the lands and so this division kind of starts this divide here the verbal here to drive divide or to divide this land it's an imperative it's something joshua is to do and it's a conclusion you've got those words now therefore kind of a here it is. You know, what was he to do? Divide the land, cast by lot, and then trust God to cause to possess, to drive out the other inhabitants. 
God's going to accomplish the task. Joshua's role is to lead by dividing it. Um, I've got a quote. We can put it up on the slide here. But one commentary shared a quote from, from John Calvin. It's worth, uh, worth reading to you. As he begins, he's kinda begins the quote paraphr- paraphrasing what God has said to Joshua. And you can see it up there. Sometimes it's easier to, to see a quote while I read it. But here's the quote. So this is starting with God's kind of paraphrasing what he's saying to Joshua. Fulfill thy duty in the distribution of the land, not even accepting what is still in the firm firm grasp of the enemy, for I will take care to perform what I have promised. This is, you know, kind of what God's saying. I will take care to perform what I have promised. And he says, from this we may learn to rely so perfectly upon the word of God when undertaking any duty as not to be deterred by doubts of fears. God's word. He's going to give what he has promised. I want you to think about the weathermen on TV. Some of us still watch weathermen on TV. We can get it on. I know we can get weather on our apps, right? They're still out there. He's to forecast the weather. He does a lot of different things, but he has a problem. He or she, they can never really promise what the weather is going to be. And it's kind of a thankless job, right? I mean, mostly we don't say, I don't hear often, boy, that weatherman, he did a great job. You know, it's usually got it wrong again, right? That's kind of what we, we look at. The poor guy just can never get it right. Um, they, and, and they've got, they've got to account for hundreds of miles. Nobody knows where the wind comes from, where it blows. They're trying to figure out pressure systems, all these sorts of things. All that to say, in seven days, we think there's a 90% chance it's going to be sunny or we think there's a 10% chance of rain. They're, they're trying. And, and so we struggle with all our technology to even determine what's going to happen seven to ten days from now. For Joshua, he was to be a sort of promise forecaster before Israel. It's a lot better promise, a lot better forecasting, by the way. To forecast to Israel, if you will, to say, this is your land. Here it is. Go in, take it. Because the Lord has said he's already going to do the work. And based on his promise, we're going to divide it up before even all of it is ours. Essentially, look what you have, Israel, to forecast before them and divide, begin to divide. Much land remained. That's the first part of 13. But Joshua is to divide the land by faith in the promises of God. It's not even all taken. Here's your task. Divide the land. So, two takeaways from this section. Two applications for us in these verses here. And the first one is praise. Is praise. As we think on the idea of inheritance, again, we're, we're seeing a picture of the greater Yeshua, the greater Joshua, Jesus. The law came through Moses Jesus perfectly fulfills all of the law. We could not in our own strength. For those in Christ, the punishment Christ uh, bore on the cross. We deserve the punishment for our sin. He bore it being nailed to the cross. You might say Jesus, not might, you can say, He wins for us an undeserved inheritance. Let's look at that. There's, many, there's a couple different New Testament places, but I want to look at Ephesians 1. 
for this time. Maybe we'll look at more as we go. So we think on this idea of inheritance and and be on the lookout as you're reading, but look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Ephesians 1, 11 through 14. Here in Ephesians 1, Paul is explaining the blessings we have in Christ, talking about the redemption through His blood, forgiveness of sins, God's grace being lavished on us. There's a plan to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and earth. And then we get to this, this section. It says this in Ephesians 1.11. Think about Israel and their inheritance. Think about the believer and his or her inheritance. It says, in Him... Who's the Him? Christ. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory when you heard the gospel you believed you're sealed with a spirit and he guarantees that inheritance until we acquire possession of it kind of that you're already guaranteed by the spirit and we will possess that inheritance one day the already the not yet and we can praise god We can praise Him that Christ's work on the cross provides our redemption and our adoption as sons and daughters of God and His Spirit guarantees it. Do we live like that? Like we have an inheritance. And it's coming. It's already. Not yet fully. That's one. Praise the Lord for the inheritance we have in Christ. Number two is to you yourselves be a promise forecaster. Not a weather forecaster. That seems to be a a hard effort, a hard job. But be a promise forecaster. Whether or not you're advanced in years, however you're going to define advanced, or you're young in years, there's a promise to forecast for others. To say and to lead out in the face of others, hey, look forward. Look ahead. Something greater is coming. We already, again, right now can have hope in Christ, but we're not yet there. We can wait on the Lord. Trust that God is going to accomplish perfectly all of His purposes. Much remains for us. Many things perhaps we want to do, but we can trust God to accomplish His purposes. Even when we're gone. Joshua is not going to be around for all this. Trust God's going to take care of this. What's my task? Present the promise. Here's the promise. Look at the inheritance. Look at Christ. Be pointers. And spend our days pointing back to Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, if we were just to review last week, I don't know any of us can say our words, our thoughts pointed to 
the promise of our inheritance in Christ, of what we have to look forward to, the hope we have in Christ, sins forgiven, relationship restored, hope of eternity in the presence of God. Lord, where we've grumbled and complained, where we've only looked horizontally at this world as as those who have no hope, please forgive us. Lord, convict us of that, of that sin by not giving you glory, of not trusting your suzerain over us, your sovereignty over us. And help us to trust you, Lord, to look to you. And then, Lord, to be those that forecast the inheritance to others. May we do that if it's our neighbors, people we meet at different places, our family. May we lead out and say, look at what we have. Remember, remember, remember the inheritance, the sure inheritance, because our Savior lives. And so, Lord, give us strength to honor you in our lives and to point to you in this task, the single task of giving you glory in our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you.